Hey there, this is Jason Bullman. I'm the director of game design at Paizo, and you are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about the deck of many things and other props. In the news, Cobalt Press releases the Black Flag reference document, the Planescape box set has paid DLC, Paizo is increasing its prices and more, plus a brand new sketch about crafting a proper character backstory. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This podcast is sponsored by Captain Wrigley's Starship Emporium. Hmm, what's a starship? Is the GM mixing his genres again? Well, apparently Captain Wrigley is a very handsome man and the greatest salesman in the galaxy. Whatever that is. Wait, who's that? Greetings, human. What? We come in peace. You come in peace? Shoot to kill. Shoot to kill? I'll show you shoot to kill, you witless drones. Take this fireball right in the face! <laughs> Wait, what? They were just extras for the commercial. Well, why didn't you say so? Um, do I still get paid? <laughs> Tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse And we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris Or Morris, a.k.a. Russ And with me this week is Peace Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ as ever. I am delighted to be here. And joining us now, loaded up with cough drops, lemsip, and various other paraphernalia associated with symptomatic remediation of what can only hope is the common cold. It's the one! It's the only! It's me, Jessica from EM Publishing. And yes, I'm beplagued, but apparently not COVID, according to science and tests that we have available to us in this model. Well, if science says it, it's true. Well, it's it knows more than I do, so I'm going It is that. October, so yeah. It's just that time of year. It's it's a wonderful little flu season. It's, in the a, it's, a, it's a little Halloween plague. A pre-Halloween plague. That's what it is. Excellent. Great. Good to know. Mm. Shall we do some RPG news? Sure. Uh, speaking of Halloween... Yes. I've got some Halloween-style RPG news. So I have a, a free Halloween game. If uh, you don't have any friends, which I assume you two don't, um, there is a solo... <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <Sorry>. Nice segue. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> there is a rules light Russ, solo RPG. Jessica's bullying me. Make a Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, you always laugh when she bullies me, so I have yeah, no sympathy. <laughs> I believe both of you. You're both fine. Anyway, I wouldn't make the joke if I thought it was true. Anyway, so Halloween's coming. If you want to play like a spooky solo game because you can't get your friends together for Halloween because they're all busy or all plagued, um, there is a solo RPG. Um, it's in the freebies, uh, linked in the freebies um, news article we have in EM World, uh, but it's called Elegy and it's a rules light solo RPG about surviving the big city as a vampire and keeping your hunger in check and um, keeping Vampire Society secret, and it looks quite cool. And it, they put it down as pay what you want, so you can pick it up for free, uh, but the suggested price is just $5, so not Ooh. very much. Um, yeah, so it, that looked quite cool as a nice kind of Halloween-y solo RPG. Um, but if you don't want a solo RPG, this whole month on Not D&D, we've done 
horror themed uh, RPGs. So check that out for a list of other things. Since since, since we're talking of eighties cartoons, <laughs> yes, of course, yes, we were. This <laughs> is of course for our American at, listeners. We attempt at a segue. <laughs> we're referring to ITN's classic banger about. <laughs> Duckula, a vicious vampire Exactly, duck. yeah, well done. Yes. Good retrospective segue enabling there, Peter. I, I approve. Got you, fam. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a cartoon that you may remember mm-hmm. from many years ago. It was also a comic book. Oh. And, more importantly... Recently, it was. Uh, it's been a film many times. Yeah. Um, but it has also been a classic tabletop role-playing game. Back in the 1980s, produced by Palladium, it was uh, I played it. It was a it was a, it was a game, and um, it was um, <laughs> quite popular at the time. And it's coming back. Nice. I didn't get the chance to play it when it came out because I wasn't born. So this is a good opportunity for me. Well, that's your own fault, isn't it, Jessica? <laughs> it is. I did for not being that. born. They've chosen better parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so Palladium have announced that it's going to be a Kickstarter soon. For a, it's not, I think it's the exact same game. I don't think they're re- remaking the game, I think. Um, but it's going to be presented in a couple of like full color hardcover books, whereas originally it was all black and white art. And um, yeah, it's, it's got new artwork though. Yeah, it's actually yeah. coming out on Halloween, on October 31st. The Kickstarter is launching. Mm. Well, that's a Tuesday, isn't it? Spooky. Well, it's got 4,000 followers over on, on, on their Kickstarter pre launch page already. So it's going to do well. It's going to be a couple mm. of full color hardcovers. New artwork, there's going to be miniatures, there's going to be dice and stuff like that as well. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff with it. Sounds um, like a million dollar Kickstarter. Maybe, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, with um, all those add-ons and 4,000 people already following it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think from the things that I sort of like looked at, mm-hmm. to get a million dollar Kickstarter, you ne- normally need about 8,000 followers oh, okay. um, beforehand. Yeah. So about twice as many, but they've got another two weeks to get them yet, so they may well have by then. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. We'll take, uh, maybe we'll a, take bets next week then. Uh, informed estimates. Is yeah. What, as a, as, yeah. Rather than no, bets. bets. Too, I'm too cheap. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't have to bet with money, Peter. What are you doing with your soul? What <laughs> <laughs> soul? Uh, and, and, and amusingly, dear listeners, that is the good way the conversation could have gone. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, anyway, I'm, in, so, I'm in the House yes. of Hope in Baldur's Gate, so I'm, I'm themed. Anyway, carry on. Um, yes. Yeah, anyway, wait, we don't really know anything else about this um, TMNT thing. Mm-hmm. They haven't said an awful lot. There's been one press release which didn't say a massive amount. Two deluxe hardcover editions of the RPG and source books. Kickstarter October 31st and a bunch of accessories with it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which tone they're adopting because there are three wildly varying tones. Mm. Well, there's the original comic book, right? Which is quite gritty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a bit. Mm-hmm. Then you got like, was it the '90s version, which was mm-hmm. also uh, has a certain amount of grit. I think mid '90s it was. So yeah, mm. um, rather more violence than you might expect kids today to be exposed to. And then you have the animated version, which was doing everything I expect from a children's movie, being fairly entertaining as an adult, and also an excellent commercial for all their toys. Well, I, I um, imagine it's it, not the animated version. Well, it's it is the same game that came out in 1985. Oh, okay. Which I, I think I actually have back there somewhere. Um, uh, so mm-hmm. I, I can tell you, it's it's more towards the it's, it's more towards the comic book end than the animated version end. Okay, so I Sounds mean the artwork cool. inside is all kind of black and white and old schooly and stuff as well. Yeah, I mean I've heard that Palladium do excellent settings. 
one day I will probably come across someone who has something kind to say about their mechanics. <laughs> it's today that day, Russ. Yeah, I, was quite, I was carefully avoiding that subject. <laughs> oh, okay. Then, 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 then we should probably move on. No, what's the deal with the mechanics? I don't... I'm not informed. I, I, I've never played it because no one's ever run it. Because everyone keeps complaining about the mechanics. What's, um, what, are the, what, are the, what are the complaints? What are the, I mean, they're just not very streamlined, I think, is the way, is the way to put yeah. it. Oh, okay. Um, right. They're quite old school and not very streamlined. I mean, they're fine. Um, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. trying to remember the mutation thing. I'm trying to remember. Was it a random table you rolled on to find out what your mutation was? Oh, it's got I can't to be remember. A table. Can't remember. Like, yeah. Can I just check and see? Do I actually have it up here? Because I can check. Okay. We'll now have a brief segue. Right? Intermission, yeah. I'm sure I Yeah, there we go. Well, listen, at home, we can see that. There we go. So this is the original RPG. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah. Um, like, you know, that's what it looks like inside. It's you know, it's all black and white artwork and stuff. And I, I have seen words written. so many books like that. Well, this one does yeah. have quite good art, so that is a different yeah. point. So let me anyway, let me answer my own question. Anyway, let's have a look. Is it yeah. a random mutation table um, yeah. or not? For, for for those listeners at home who might not be familiar with the genre of which we speak, essentially, if you imagine like sort of a A4 comic book compilation. But instead of brightly coloured comics inside and that sort of paper, it's a really more of an exercise book with um, many tables. Book, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a soft, soft cover hardback. I don't know, what's it, about 80, 90 pages? Something like that? It is uh, 111 pages. 111 pages, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, so, plenty, okay, yeah. plenty of original artwork, it looks like, from the original comic series, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got comic strip panels and stuff in it yeah so in answer to my own question so you roll for your animal type yep so you roll on the table and then you roll on the subtable. d100 to find out which table which type of animal you are and then the subtable to find out which specific animal you are <laughs> so that's what you do uh you roll for organizations to determine, determine what sort of organization you belong to um yeah everything everything cause of mutation the cause of your mutation you roll for yeah it's all randomly generated Yep, do you have yeah. a D100 there handy, Russ? Um, I do not. Well, fortunately, I have the internet. Okay, so, well, so. roll D100 twice, and I'll tell you what type of animal you are. Oh, really? Okay, so your first roll is... First roll is... I got 14. 14, okay. so you are an urban animal, and then D100 to find out specifically what urban animal you are, Jessica. 52. Oh, I've got 12. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, what was that, Jessica? I was 52. 52 is a rat. That makes sense. What's yeah, Peter? A rat. What are you, Peter? Oh, well, I started off with a 12. A 12, also an urban animal. And <laughs> a 56. Um, <laughs> is it also um, a rat? Um, yeah, that's, that's quite impressive. A pet rodent, guinea pig, or hamster. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so I've got a difference. I, 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 don't, I don't have a dice to hand. Which so will you choose? Are you going to be a guinea pig or a hamster? <laughs> oh, Russ, I've got a 97 for you. Well, 97, I'm a zoo animal. Okay. Oh, fancy pants. Do, do you want to give us a second one, Jess? Oh, sure. Sorry, I put my dice away because I knew I was a rat and I didn't need to know anything else. <laughs> Oh, That's all you need to know. Whereas I get to be guinea pig, and quite frankly, oh, uh, I'll be really stomping to victory tonight. 18. 18. I am a leopard. Ooh. 
So I think you definitely go. got the coolest one, Ross. I did. If I we think were saying to play a game, I'd be a bit like, right, so a leopard, a rat, and a guinea pig are about to <laughs> head off on adventures. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the yeah. guinea pig and the rat are in the corner like, I'm not, who invited yeah. this guy? Oh, are, we, are we in the wrong game? <laughs> are, are we just their supply pack running around? <laughs> A portable supply pack. You're just like, I, I just said, you're, you're my familiars, is what you are. Oh, right, okay. Just like in real life. <laughs> or I send you off on little missions. Um, yeah, then you yeah, roll for your cause of like mutation, which is another D100 table, and um, you roll for your height and your weight and your... Yeah, you roll for everything. Classic, classic. It's all D100s. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, skills, it's got a lot of... Great big, big long list of skills. Really long list of skills. Pages and pages of skills. And then lots of powers, lots of animal powers. Oh, yeah. Taking me and back. Lots and lots and lots. All of the way back. Yeah. No. So anyway, yeah. So that that is what it is. And it's the same game, as, as I understand it. It's, uh, it is this game, but with all the supplements then bundled into a hardcover. Nice. And with full colour up. And Lovely. in print opposed to out of print. Mm. Mm. Nice. That too. That too. Yeah, I mean there are other options. There's mutants in the now that's out there, um, which is basically TMNT with the uh, serial numbers off, and there's an awfully cheerful engine um, setting for it. Yes, as well. So you know there are other options, but this is yeah, the original. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the, the, the old school original. Anyway, yeah, that's that. That is that. That's the news of that. Like it. Tell me some more news, somebody. Oh well, we are fond here, as you know, of stories and so forth. What I'm going to do is put a link into the show notes for something that a well, a friend of mine came up with it as a result of their doctoral research. So obviously that's always a key exciting thing for a game. It's released mm-hmm. on Steam. It's called Lies Under Ice. Mm-hmm. And it is oh. an absolutely enormous game by a nice chap called Jerry Jones, which he'd say, is a cross between The Expanse and The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, with near-future solar system-based space flight, some space habitation, but not loads. Thematically, it's got uh, Red Mars meets the Santa Roga Barrier. But maybe that last one is a bit too niche to be illuminating. Um, yeah. It looks like it's a choose-your-own-adventure. It is a choose-your-own-adventure. If choose-your-own-adventure books came with 196 Quator Vigintillion which apparently is a real number. What? <laughs> I don't know exactly how big it was, but it's pretty large. So it's a choose-your-own-adventure book, right? The size of Moby Dick. Any given okay. read-through is about the length of The Great Gatsby, or A Fellowship of the ring size book, with a Wizard of Earthsea length path through it. Wow. Okay. It's big, big, then. Is what I'm saying. It has got a develop your out-of-work hobbies as well, and it's listed a few, and one of them is lucid dreaming, which oh, I yeah, didn't yeah. know was... Specifically a hobby, but I guess so. Like under the definition, <laughs> it would be. A hobby. be. Wait, wait, yeah, wait. I mean, sure. Yeah. Je- Jessica, you're telling me you didn't know lucid dreaming could be a hobby. Next thing you'll be telling me you didn't know it could be a role playing game. I refer, For the of sake course, of the segue, an- yes, Peter, I was just going to say that. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, an aeronaut by uh, Caesar Capacle. I mean, we have covered this on the podcast before, but due to time being a flat circle and me having done this weekly for. Seven long years. Um, I cannot remember whether you were present. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, I it's, only it's joined true. recently. I swooped in when you were successful to get all the glory. Yeah, how's that working out? <laughs> <laughs> it's going great. I'm having a great time. Yeah, best time in my life right now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, so there you go. 
I thought that was pretty cool and that you would want to know about it. Uh, it's not available as of data recording 20th of October, but I put it on my Steam wish list because it's supposed to come out on 22nd November, I think. Hmm. Yeah, um, I'm going to put it on my wish list as well. And if you put it on your wish list, that actually helps other people find it. And the reason I'm putting it on my wish list as well is because it's going to be um, compatible with Mac, Russ. So actually, we can play Ooh. it as well. Uh, I'm on my partner's uh, computer, which I normally do. Should we talk a little bit about um, system reference documents and Kobold Press and Project Black flag yeah well, i think they like to call it tales of the valiant now don't they well the system reference document is for pro- is, is 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 for project black flag oh okay it's got black flag role-playing in a big graphic of it on on the top of the system reference document doesn't say tales of the valiant anywhere so tales of the valiant uses the srd from black flag role-playing yeah yeah project black okay flag. Yeah, but the game. Sure, yeah, um, you're correct. The tale. I think, the game I, is I, I, think, I think it's because they don't want to put Tales of the Valiant the name out there in the. In the so yeah. I would guess. Yeah. Yeah, like our system reference document doesn't say level up on it. Oh, so. so so anyway, so they put out the system reference document for it. It is 138 pages, and obviously the system reference document is all the open gaming content where they're releasing it into 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 the community, mm-hmm. so that third party creators can use it, Ooh. and it's under the Orc license. Ooh. So the open RPG creative license that Paizo spearheaded. Yes, yes. So Which it's not means, the open gaming license. Yeah. It's not Creative Commons. It's the Orc license. Which means that um, any derivative works that you make for it will also be under the Orc license mm-hmm. for every day going forwards. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that one works. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Cobalt Press were one of the big supporters of the Orc license project right from the start, though. Mm. They kind oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. So Project Black Flag is basically their sort of version of 5e that they announced when the open gaming license controversy was happening last Christmas. Yeah. And it's 138 pages. It's got character creation rules. It's got the cleric, fighter, rogue, and wizard classes, the combat and gameplay rules, equipment, magic items, spellcasting, and monster stat blocks. So basically, as of now, you can create stuff compatible with Tales of the Valiant. Which is compatible with 5e, really, isn't it? Pretty much yeah, like looking yeah. through it, it's so if you do like the five E rule set but you don't want to create or publish things under five E because of fears and concerns that you may have, which mm. I couldn't possibly legally say on the podcast, um you have options but now. You could Are, are you, you saying people's faith in the OGL might be less than complete for some bizarre reason? I wouldn't make that statement on a public platform, Peter, no. Uh, Other I, people I, might. I am slightly a liar, by the way. It is also Creative Commons as well. Hey uh, okay. Creative Commons. Yeah. So you have options no. now. So you could use Project Black Flag <laughs> system reference to create your things using the Orc license. You could use like A5E level up stuff. So you got. I think it's good that third party publishers have more options for what licenses and reference documents they use. Just Ooh. so more choices, yeah. I think, is a good thing. More yeah. choices, more think, diversity. Uh, yeah. Good. I feel quite invigorated by this news. It's very exciting. Mm. Yeah, I think it's 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 more of a direct rewrite of Five E. It mm. does. I had a look through, a and it looked very yeah. much like Five E to me. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a it's Five E, really. I think yes. that's mainly what it is. And I think that was the pitch. That's what they were talking about. They're like, "Hey, we like the rules, but we want to do something different with it." Whereas, well, we had that episode where we talked on Five E kind of like things. Other mm. rule sets have done something different with it. You know, picked it up and twisted it. But I think mm. this one is mm. just yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. So, yeah, we've got this thing going on, though, because um, Project Black Flag, they use the word heritage to refer to culture, what we would call culture. And, of course, we use heritage to refer to what um, 
Wizards of the Coast were called species now, yeah. we used to call race. Yeah. And so I think these terms are now with different companies adopting different standards. Mm-hmm. It's getting a little bit confusing because basically yeah. you have heritage, culture, race, species, ancestry. lineage, ancestry, and everyone's using these words for different things. Everyone's yeah. trying to avoid using the word race. Yeah, yeah. We're freezing. But, yeah. No. So, yeah. So, yeah. So basically, I don't know. Um, heritage is culture for what we would call culture. Yeah. Basically. I shall have to attempt to sit down and read it. Yeah. Not, I've got to say, one well, of my strong points, but worth a shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they present it in the, using the old terminology, sub-race kind of way. So you've got a lineage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your lineage is what would have been race in Core 5e. And then heritage is sub-race. That's, that's, the, that's the way I, they've structured it. I thought it that was culture. Hmm? I thought heritage was culture. Well, they describe it as culture, but basically, mechanically, it's presented in exactly the same way as a sub-race is. So you've got, it'll have like elf as the so lineage, lineage. And below that, it'll have like three different elf heritages, which are basically... High elf, wood elf, dark elf, heritages. Yeah, right, right. but they've renamed them, yeah. But yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah. So that's basically how they've done that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's out there. Yeah, it's out there. Nice, you can nice. use it. Well, it's options for people that want to create content. They do. They did have yeah. some good ideas. So uh, yeah. So I think the the other one was always going to be the Cubicle Seven one, and as I understand it, they are no longer going to be releasing that as a standalone system. The Seven D Twenty. Yeah. The Cubicle Seven D Twenty um, system. Oh, what's um, with that? I think I don't know. They're they're using the system to power things. Yeah. Right. But I don't think they're releasing it as a standalone system. Well, it oh, seems enough. like a lot of effort because you've got two really good versions of five mm. well at least one really good version of 5e i and without having read it i can only assume that cobra press's version yeah. is very good well um, i mean technically they, you've got yeah there's there's three big versions of 5e out there there's 5e itself yeah level up yeah but but, but uh, in terms of system flat reference flat. document yeah like no. the 5e system reference document i wouldn't use because it's no good to me it doesn't have like lots of, lot of stuff, things yeah. I use, you know. Mm, yeah. So yeah, you got level up and you got the cobalt press stuff. So yeah. at that point, it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's a I feel lot. Like there was another one, and I can't remember what it is. There are more. Well, maybe I'm imagining it. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, we did an episode of it a few months back, and there, there are. I know mm-hmm. some smaller publishers have just said, "Hey, I'm just going to release my own setting. It's basically his all five e and all the extra stuff I put on top." But mm-hmm. yeah, fair play to him. Good way to go. Yeah. I think Empty Black did that, didn't he, with his Greek themed one, with their Greek. Yeah, theme. but that was yeah, but that was more of a diversion from Five E Core, I think, mm-hmm. because there was a setting baked into it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas what we we done and what um, Cobalt Press have done, we haven't baked a setting into it. It's yeah. just the rules, sort of thing. Again, like I said, that's why a bit of system neutrality is good. But yeah, there's lots of different yeah. options. Yeah. Huh. You also know things that are not Five E, but kind of like Five E. Hmm. But not. Yeah, of course, we did that entire list, didn't yeah. we? Big old list in an episode. I've totally forgotten we did that. We did an entire yeah. episode talking about all these things. Well, I, have, yeah. I have said it wow. twice in the How last five minutes. That? So, yeah. Anyway. All right. All right, Justin. Well, <laughs> Paizo. You know I'm only interested in the sound of my own voice. Yeah, I know. I, I've been a woman <laughs> for a long time. So, Paizo <laughs> have announced some price changes coming in 2024 and oh, so yeah. 2023. So they mentioned this a while back, I think, that they were planning on streamlining some of their, their prices online and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so this will be Pathfinder and Starfinder product lines. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so PDF products, it's going into play on October 25th. 
So if you uh, want to check out those prices and get them over the next four or five days before the prices go up, now is the time. Mm-hmm. So all PDF products, they're kind of streamlining the cost. And in fairness, the costs are going up by like $1 or $5, depending on what it is. So it's not yeah. enormous. And they're saying that the MSRP uh, for physical books will be April 2024 for print products, that price increases will happen. Yeah. And they've listed them all so, on their website. And they're not, it's not an insane price jump across most of them. It's not even inflationary, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. I so. mean, the, the important one, I suppose, is the big hardcover price, mm-hmm. which is your 300-page book. Yeah. Um, so that is going up to um, $80, basically, for, for a sort of core rule book size hardcover book. And I kind of understand why, because publishing big books like that... Not cheap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I get... Yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I think this is more the price that... Well, and we've talked about this before, I think, the price that role-playing... You know the price that role playing games should be, and what they actually are that they they don't meet because no. people yeah. don't want to pay for those things. But no, no. So you I've just, already yeah. seen I've already seen a lot of comments on this thing. Well, well, that's the last um, Pathfinder book I'm going to buy and stuff like that. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? It's what these things cost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're almost not certainly not saying that because you've sat through endless hours of us talking about actually what does it cost. What is the actual prices involved? And shipping, and distribution, and layout, yeah. and graphics. Oh, not so much. Yeah. The publisher literally just gets a few few dollars off that. Yeah. It's like, you know, it all goes. It all goes. Yeah, unless you can... Not, they're not sitting there raking in $80 per book. Unless you can get to works. a really big scale, like Wizards of the Coast are, then, yeah. then it becomes yeah. worthwhile. But then it's even worthwhile, even if your profit margins are lower, because, you know, $2... If you sell a million copies of it, it's two million dollars. So, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. I did some easy maths for myself there, just as an example. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I yeah, so I think fair enough. And it and you know it 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 can be expensive. And I think sometimes if you if you buy a game a, a game system, it is an investment in in buying it. Um, mm. But that's why there's PDFs as well. So you know if you're like you know I I can't justify it for that. Yeah. I'll get the PDF to play and I'll put that important. on my so Christmas we, list. We don't we don't mind if people buy a PDF of our book. We're, we're really happy when someone buys a PDF of our oh, book. It's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not it's not a problem. It's Ooh. like if you prefer to buy the PDF, buy the PDF. Yeah. We're Absolutely. great with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. That's good. Please do. You know, we love it when people buy our PDFs. Absolutely. Yeah. Um but yeah, so they're getting some price increases. So they're coming in April for the physical books and but October twenty mm. fifth for any PDF. So if you mm. are worried about the price increases, then you do have like five days to Mm. Pick up do, do we have any word on when the remastered versions will come out? Yes, we talked about that. I think there's the first one is coming like this December, and then it's staggered it in, into next year. Wow. Okay. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> cool. Oh, another thing. <laughs> was that not, not the yeah. answer you asked after? Uh, well, I don't. I don't know what to say. Um, but yeah, also <laughs> Paizo made an announcement regarding uh, their sustainability policies, which is linked mm. to the price increases and why they're doing it. So I think, I think they're really going for a very transparent business model, like brand sort of thing. So because they've a lot of stuff they do at the moment, they're being really showing you behind the scenes, talking about this, talking about that. So I think they're going for that sort of branding as kind of the opposite of what. Wizards did in January with the OGL, so I think they're like, okay, mm. this is what the community wants. They want, you know, so, mm. so that's the vibes I got from it. But yeah, they have a new sustainability policy, so you can go check that out if you are interested. Yeah, okay. I saw a Kickstarter which looks mildly amusing. Mildly so, amusing. What a review! Co- they could put that on the co- back of the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cocaine Albert, the deluxe snowblind edition. I, ha- I have seen that as well. <laughs> it takes Honey Heist, 
which I know you've both played. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant Harrett's Honey Heist, which is a one-page RPG. Yep. And turns it into a RPG, which is like a parody of the Cocaine Bear movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I think you know exactly what you're getting with that title. It's very, very clear. The vibes, yeah. There's no confusion. Yeah. Yeah. A tragic exploration uh, of the intersection between drug use and violence (laughs) in their population. Well, it's only only $3 for the PDF as well. And um, $5 for the PDF bundle. Oh, it's an at-cost coupon, sorry. I was going to say, how do they do that? Uh, yeah, $5 for an at-cost coupon to, to buy it. But, um, yeah, $3 for the PDF. I would probably chuck in $3 to have a look at that. Okay. There you go. It's kind of fun. All right. Any more news? Oh, well, if we're talking Kickstarters, then mm-hmm. there isn't any award-winning Kickstarter that might be Ooh. of interest to you. Oh, okay. yes, I am interested. Yeah, yeah. It uh, describes itself as Moonlight on Roseville Beach. A queer game of disco and cosmic horror. Now in a hardcover with the four scenario Rose Island mystery series. I do know this. They were on Not D&D just last month, so we did an in-depth interview with them talking about it. Oh, okay. Well, if that's... Uh, then they can... I guess uh, listeners can check it out there. I just saw it and thought it was quite cool, to be honest. It's, hmm. Yeah, it's it's very cool. I like it very much. Can you, t- can you tell us a bit more about it? Yes, so it's the influences. It's very, it's very queer. It's very gay, which is always very great <laughs> for any games. So you are going to. It's in a small location, so it's set on Roseville Beach, and it's set in kind of like the eighties. So you don't have a lot of technology and stuff, and it's very much set in that time. So it's kind of a mystery you're exploring, and you can't just text. So your friends meant to meet you in this location, they don't turn up. You actually have to go and look for them in this location because you can't just be like, "Where are you at?" Texting them. Um, but yeah, so you go around and there's different NPCs and characters that are really interesting and made in here. And there's a really nice system for kind of creating new ones. And then when you're exploring the mystery, cosmic horror ensues. Yeah. And uh, the art style is very cool. They've done it all kind of royalty free kind of, what's it called? Peter, help me with the art style. You're good at this. Oh, um, the art style is quite pinup adjacent. It's uh, very, thema- very thematic for the 1950s 1960s so there's various people in stages of undress but also it's got that sort of that pulp fiction style as well yes yeah with the covers to really capture the uh yeah so it's like pulp fiction meets pinup but with considerably more naked men yes we love to see it uh but yeah it's so it's a rules light horror about a small summertime community in the summer of 1979 is the summary and it's really rules light so it's just a d6 dice sort of system but yeah really good and the creator i interviewed um i think it was last month but it's on not DD if you look at moonlight and roseville beach so you can listen to that if you want a more in-depth sort of um review on it but yeah it looks very cool i'm pretty gonna back this as well because it's a very pretty product as well 160 page full cover interior mm-hmm. with a uh, art stock paper with a matte finish cut like that. That is that is quite a book. So yeah, good times. Oh, they've got some zines as well. Or zines if you're us. <laughs> Get a bundle of the first three Roseville Beach zines to your order in print or PDF. It's a D&D stuff. Mm-hmm. Is there D&D um, stuff? No. Hey, there is D&D stuff. So, Planescape came out. Yes. As we know. Mm-hmm. And there is a, I guess, DLC, I guess, for it already. DLC? Um, on, yeah, on D&D Beyond, oh. you can download a product for nine ninety nine called Adventure Atlas, the Mortuary, 
Um, apparently, it's digital only. Right. And it's designed to sort of plug in. And it's three new monsters, five maps, four climactic encounters, dropable location for adventures and campaigns, which are the detailed lore, faction information, and locations. Ooh, you can pick that up right now. For now. I haven't myself, so I can't really look inside it and tell you what's in there. But it's there. It exists. Ooh. It's kind of like an add-on adventure, I guess, sort of thing right. for Planescape. I see. It looks like, it's like it doesn't have to be um, Planescape. It looks like you could pretty much fit it in anywhere. And it uses, you know, D&D Beyond's new maps, VTT, that we talked about the other week. Oh, yeah, okay. It's also built to use that as well. Mm. So the thing I'm finding more interesting here isn't the adventure itself. Um, it's just what, what, what it seems to represent. So what we've got is downloadable content that you can only buy from D&D Beyond, which integrates into its current maps, VTT. And I think, is that sort of a glimpse of, the future of D&D where quite a lot of the content's going to be like that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there'll be the hardcover books still, obviously, but additional stuff. DLC, basically. For yeah. That's kind of the feeling. That's kind of how that feels to me. I mean, it sort of would make sense with the new head of D&D being a Microsoft guy. Mm. They've got the, they bought D&D Beyond, the subscription-based platform. Mm. So, yeah, moving to a subscription model. I mean, it's not like it's even the first time they've tried to go for a subscription model. Yeah. Uh, with 4th edition, we had, like, what's it, Silverlight and that subscription thing there. Where the technology just... Yeah, it exists. I literally can't remember it, but yeah, it yeah, did exist. I mean, yeah. I mean they, they, they definitely gave it a good go at making it a thing, but they just didn't have the technology. Whereas nowadays, they've got the customer base, they've got technology, so yeah, subscription. I mean, yeah. like, this will obviously come as a shock to many people who insist on telling me it's like i have no possible idea that this could be the case but i don't know man it's like <laughs> it's a clear direction of movement i don't know what to say to you <laughs> well yeah. there it is there it is right there yeah 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 i mean it's like the whole well, they're, they're building an ecosystem basically yeah, aren't yeah. They? And they're, they're building an ecosystem in the walled garden and the thing to- that i don't understand though is how this maps thing and this other 3D virtual tabletop thing are going to exist, coexist, because it seems like they're kind of competing with themselves on that. So where is the ecosystem? Is it in the maps thing, or is it in the VTT? Or are they going to do everything for both? Or I don't understand. I, I expect they're going to try and do it for both initially, mm. but they will push to see whichever one gets the most take-up. And if, yeah, if one gets more, that's where they're going to put their money. And okay, if yeah, the other sure. doesn't, then... It's going to be go a bit Google and say, "Oh well, we tried it, didn't like it. Bye, bye." bye. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I wonder if this. Although is the VTT, a... I imagine they're spending a lot of money on that. Mm. I wonder if this mm. is the temporary version because the VTT isn't out yet, and because that is a couple of years away, isn't it? Really, I guess so. Yeah. So maybe this is the. In the meantime, we can do this, and yeah, maybe. And this could maybe. maybe be a budget budget option. So this is the cheaper way to do it, but you can maybe have a monthly subscription to pay for the very fancy VTT, like it's. Maybe it's different levels. I I, I will say, I'm just honestly quite surprised they haven't bought Foundry. Like, because that's an existing thing with an existing customer base. That would be the closest thing they have to competition. So. They haven't bought Foundry? Yeah. Um, Like, just buy Foundry. And then. (laughs) Yeah, just do that. You've got. Yeah. Oh, do you you think they can't afford it? Well, maybe Foundry don't want to sell. Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Maybe Foundry's not for sale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the issue wasn't for me that, oh, they can't afford it. But maybe Foundry isn't for sale. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, uh, Wizards of the Coast don't have enough money to offer them. I understand. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. That was... Sometimes it's not about <laughs> money, Peter. Not everything's for sale, Peter. Like, if someone came to your house right now and was like, I'll buy your house, here's the market value for it, you might be like, well, no, it's not for sale, I'm not moving right now, you know? Depends on how much they offered, really. Well, if it was market rate. Well, they're not going to pay more than it's worth, because why would they do that? Well, how much? It's not in their interest. How much is Foundry worth? I don't know. I'm going to say definitely more than £100. Good the number is Jessica. bigger than that. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Probably no, I'm not saying probably. Definitely. My house is also worth more than £100. If you say like, so, 101 Peter. at least. 101 yeah. Exactly, exactly. But if, like, the, I mean, like, if, they're, if they're going with a global offer, then I'd be like, no. Because it's like, you know, but yeah, I mean, say, saying it's not for sale, just that that's really quite funny. Yeah, but they're not, they're not going to go to something like Foundry and offer more than it's worth because they'll lose money on their deal how, by doing that. How do they know how much it's worth? Well, you, there are ways to determine how yeah, Businessmen in pointy hats know these things. They, t- mm. <laughs> they are wizards. They are wizards, Peter. Oh, it's in the oh, name. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. <sighs> yeah, yeah. They're wizards and they live on the coast. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, um, they have some divination spell or something. That's... Yes, and the people at Foundry live in a foundry. Yes. Yeah. Because that is how it works. All names. That is how it works. Whatever the name code is, that's with what it hammers. is. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's how code works. Oh, it might Mad as well. From my, from ba- based but, on my mm. understanding, that's pretty much how it sh- maybe works. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Clearly, Wizards of Coast think that they can do a better job of building virtual tabletops from scratch rather than buying any existing models. Well, they want a 3D one, don't they? I mean, yeah, that's kind of what they want. I don't, know, yeah. I don't necessarily know why I want one, but that's what they, they want. That's their vision? I don't know. Maybe they're trying yeah. to get... Ports the Baldur's Gate 3 players over so it feels very like that, you know? I don't know. Yeah, maybe they'll try to release some things so that people can play it, play Baldur's Gate, the tabletop RPG campaign, and that's just the easier way to do it. There you go. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Right, what was it? There was some um, Lord of the Rings news I saw somewhere. Oh, yes. A um, couple of new source books. From the League so, that is free. Yeah, so um, November the 14th. Will be two new hardcovers for for Free Leagues One Ring RPG and the uh, 5e Lord of the Rings role playing game. Nice. And they're doing that thing again where they are calling them different things, but they're the same book but for different systems. So there's the One Ring version and the 5e version. Right. right. And the One Ring version is called Tales of Eriador. Yeah. Um, and I, I got it the wrong way around. Tales from the Lone Lands is the One Ring RPG. Okay. Right. And the 5e version is Tales of Eriador. So they're just calling them different names to distinguish them so you don't, I guess, mistakenly buy the wrong one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's basically like, I think it's like six adventures, seven adventures just set in a sort of, you know, starting region of Lord of the Rings. The, nice. That top left bit on the map where the Shire is and it goes all around there and expands out. Sounds fun. If that's the thing you want, seven adventures. It's on pre-order right now, um, and comes out November the fourteenth. Hard cover. There we go. Any more news? Do we have any more? Well, I'm afraid I'm the tapped only, out. Uh, oh. The only news I have is something I think we want to talk about in a little bit more detail after the sketch, mm-hmm. which is uh, the sneak preview of the deck of many things. Yes, we're going to talk about that. Okay, That'd be exciting. Okay, all right. Well then. Right, let's begin. The first session of a brand new campaign. Let's start by introducing our characters and their backstories. Who wants to start? Oh, well, um, I'm playing an elven sea druid. So I'm an orphan. My family's lost at sea during a terrible tempest. And I learned the ways of the ocean in the hope that I could one day learn of their fate. 
Oh, so cool. I'm playing a dragonborn fighter. I was kidnapped as a hatchling and inducted into a dragon cult. I eventually escaped, and now I seek vengeance on the great worm who destroyed my life. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, and um, uh, what about you there? Oh, is, is that a wizard you're playing? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm playing a human wizard. Cool, cool. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Right, um, yeah, yeah. So um, I was born in um, the city, and I went to uh, wizard school. Okay, sure. Um, but what about, you know, your childhood? Was it heartbreaking tale of woe and despair? Uh, not really, just uh, just a, a normal upbringing, I guess. A uh, bit lost. What? Uh, what do you? What do you mean? Uh, uh, a normal upbringing? I don't know. Just kind of regular. No epic tragedy. No dire hardships or terrible calamities. I mean, should there be? Should there be? Of course there should. What is a Barrows and Barrows character without a tragic backstory? Uh, I just thought. Oh. You just thought. Look, you can't play a character without history of adversity and misfortune. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. You need a dark and troubled past. I mean, what made you the person you are today? Oh, I mean, uh, I have three square meals a day and a solid education. Nice. Brainwashed as part of a villain's diabolical legions. I like it. No, 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 just like, you know, school, really. Oh, so you mean you were taken in by the state because your family was murdered by a, you know, dark necromancer? Well, no, I, I figured they were the ones paying for my tutelage. The dark necromancer? <laughs> no, that makes no sense. Why would the dark necromancer pay for your tutelage? <laughs> no, 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 my family. My family paid for my tutelage. Uh, how can they pay for your tutelage when they're dead? They're not dead. They're living a comfortable middle-class retirement in Little Badgerton. I don't understand. What's to understand? It's pretty simple, as backstories go. Oh, I get it. So what you're not telling us is your dark secret. Dark secret, of course. No, no, there's no dark secret. (laughs) Well, you would say that, wouldn't you? No, there's no dark secret. No tragic past, no dead family, just a regular, normal upbringing. Huh. Weird. So... You weren't abandoned by your parents? Nope. Weren't betrayed by your closest friend and partner? No. No hidden criminal background? No, no. Not a refugee from a devastated land? Racked with guilt for a death you consider your fault? Witness some unimaginable horror which scarred you for life? <gasps> Split personality with an evil version of yourself? Or a deserter from an evil overlord's army? No, 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 no. None of that. Why is this so hard to understand? I was just a regular child brought up in a nurturing environment. Oh, I know what it is. Do you now? It's obvious. Is it? Yeah, clearly you have amnesia. Oh, of course. They have no idea what their dark history entails. (laughs) What a wonderful twist. I mean, we'll all discover your tragic past together as the game unfolds. There's no tragic past. Nice. Very good. You're playing that role perfectly. I'm not playing a role. There is no role. There's no mysterious backstory. Can't you just understand that? (laughs) Bravo. I've never seen somebody so invested in their character. That is my fine role playing. This campaign is going to be epic. And and you have no memory at all of the troubles which befell you. Not, Not even an inkling. Oh, for pity's sake. Would you please just let it go? Not 
everybody is born in darkness, you know. Sometimes people are just who they appear to be. Normal, regular people, no secrets, no sinister mystery, just just people. Do they give Oscars for excellent role-playing? Well, they should. But they have me completely convinced. Look at that display of sincerity. That expertly conveyed sense of frustration. Oh, I wish I'd thought of playing an amnesiac. I know, right? Sheer genius. <sighs> okay, fine. You want a troubled past? I give it. Oh, your memory. Is it, is it returning? If you like. Would you like to hear it? Oh, yes, I can't wait. Yeah, dear, tell us. T- tell us everything. Fine. I was born in the middle of a devastating war. My home and family destroyed before I could walk. Taken in by cultists, I was brought up in the dark arts and taught to commit dire acts. Eventually, I slew my captors in a gruesome act of bloody murder and rampaged across the five duchies, leaving a trail of death in my wake, wreaking my revenge upon the society that failed me. I was noticed by the elder entity of the Dark Reaches, who spoke to me in my nightmares night after night, torturing my very soul until I fell under its spell, cursed to live forever as its minion on this plane, enacting its terrible plans, hungering for mortal flesh. I existed for hundreds of years, sating my appetite for the souls of the innocent, before being captured and imprisoned deep below the earth, where I was experimented upon for years. Eventually, I was rescued by an adventuring party and pretended to join them so that I might eventually turn on them when they least expected it and rend them limb from limb before assuming their identities and wandering the world free again to sow terror and suffering. Oh, my say. That's a bit much. Uh, what, what are you doing? What big teeth you have. Wait. What are you doing? Well, that shut them up. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget, patreon.com slash morris. Can I go now? Should we talk about DGRPG news? Why not? Should we talk about the deck of May thing specifically? Yes, because there's a big old preview out. So this is you can read it all about this over on EN World, and especially a big sneak peek of, of the thing. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a lot of information um, coming out about it. It's coming out in November. Mm-hmm. It's a boxed set, this one, and it's got quite a lot of stuff in it. So we all know what the deck of many things is, don't we? I presume. I do. Is, is there any chance there's a listener that doesn't? Should we explain just in case? Do it, yeah. I think you should, yeah. Who would like to do that? Peter, would you like to do that? Explain the Deck of Many Things? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, the Deck of Many Things is a magic item, and it is a set of totally not tarot cards, and the idea is when you come across this um, item, then you can draw cards from it, as many as you like, and as you draw them out, the DM works for a random table and reads out what happens. 
Mm. I've long been of the opinion that if you want to end your campaign because you're bored, but you, but you don't really have a good excuse, you just bust out the old deck of many things, and that will solve ending your campaign for you. Mm-hmm. Pretty I, much. Yeah. I disagree. I've had some chaotic things happen that haven't ended campaigns. Wow. Yeah. You should have just taken some more cards in, shouldn't you? Someone took five because they didn't know what it was. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. That's brave. No, they just didn't know. It wasn't bravery. They're just like, oh, a quirky person at this fair wants to show us some cards. Did they survive the experience is the question. Everybody did, which was wild. But it did kill a load of enemies because this esoteric like sea creature arrived, fell on top of us from the air. We managed to dodge it and it just crushed a load of the enemies. Like a whale just fell out of the air and crushed your enemies. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, very Hitchhiker's Guide. Hitchhiker's Guide, doesn't it? No, it was a beastie. I can't remember what it was now. It was like a beastie something. Um, But we all... Lived, so hmm. it was fine. Oh, well, that. Well, anyway, the old deck of many things. Mm-hmm. It was in. It's been around since like the seventies. It was in the first Dungeon Master's Guide as a magic item. So this is expanded. So the original one only had twenty-two cards. This is doubled in size. Uh, so actually, that's no, forty-four new cards. So it's tripled in size. So we got an entire box set, which contains the sixty-six cards including the 22 originals plus 44 new ones, all with new art and stuff. Big sort of tarot card, pretty cards. Then we've got an 80-page hardcover guide to the cards themselves. Mm -hmm. And then we've got something called the Book of Many Things, which is kind of... It it looks to me like it's kind of just a collection of stuff. Player options and magic items and monsters and spells. All just... It's kind of like a Tasha's Cauldron, Xanathar's Guide type thing. Yeah, yeah, I've heard people likening it to them. Big old collection of stuff, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's basically what's in the box set. So it's a big old box set. It's ninety nine dollars for the box set. It's not cheap, but it's you know it's big high production value stuff mm-hmm. with the you know. But anyway, here we go. So so first of all, we've got this uh, eighty page hardcover mm-hmm. which references the cards. So we've got the sixty six cards, three times the size of the original deck, and this book goes through each card and basically tells you what each card means in detail. But isn't just like in, in as the magic item it's just kind of quite a short thing isn't it it just tells you a thing in this it takes each card and gives you loads of stuff that you can do with it and it's like so it might give you three different options on how to expand that into an actual ca- adventure so each card gives you not just a thing that happens right now it gives you a, a an, an adventure to play a little mini adventure to play i think one of the examples they used was you know like the one that gives you a free keep castle whatever it is i can't remember what it's called Stronghold. one of them yeah something like that but one of them just gives you a free keep Ooh, yeah one of the cards in the original deck of many things yeah yeah no i remember that one i think it, it yeah. might be keep actually yeah I can't remember. yeah and so in this one basically when you take that card instead of just having an entry which is oh you get a free keep with blah blah whatever it just it gives you like three different examples of keeps with a little event like one of them is that you get a keep but it's haunted so you have to clear it out first and stuff so it gives you some story with the keep and a, an adventure that you can have in the keep. So this, you know, it's it's kind of like a. You don't even need the card, you know, the cards necessarily. It's a book, you know, it's kind of like a book full of adventure, adventure resources and adventure hooks and ideas and stuff. I think because, like you're saying, it, it's much more customizable. And one thing I've noticed they've said is it it's designed to be used deck building. So you don't mm. necessarily use all sixty six cards in your campaign, but they've laid out kind of different like options for deck, different yeah. themes or different like levels and stuff. Which I think that kind of is an attempt to limit what you were saying, Peter, about it's just going to end your game because it's so chaotic and random. I think they're, they're trying to pull back on the amount of chaos so you can curate it a little bit more, it sounds like. Yeah, that's something that I did see. I was taking a slightly controversial position, but that is 
been my experience or my understanding of the deck of many things from what I've read online. I've not had the chance to play in the game when I've had a chance to draw from it. Otherwise, who knows? I might be like, ooh, 10 cards. That sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Please no. So something will happen. Mm. But this is like giving you dials on the chaos, which is quite interesting. Um, And another thing I saw, which was pretty cool, was I I just working off the Ian World article that I saw, but it appears there's a certain amount of backfilling, okay? So I don't know entirely, but it appears that they're essentially doing a sort of a totally not tarot reading where you're drawing a bunch of cards and then using that as a spur to creativity. Uh, Well, they do adventure seeds. Thing oh, called yeah. the adventure spread, where you can make an entire adventure yeah, yeah. using the cards, which is quite interesting. I, mean, um, I was going to get onto that a, a bit later. Oh but, yeah, yeah, sure. Could, sorry. Could, that, that's sort what of just popped up for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like each each, each card, you, you've got like a, a person, a place, a treasure, a monster, and a situation for each card in the book. So each card comes with a whole bunch of stuff that you can use. And then, like like, like you were just saying about the different sort of deck building things, mm. so you can have like a themed deck. Mm-hmm. So one that's suitable for when playing in, I don't know, Curse of Strahd or something. Sort of a certain subset of the deck is suitable for that. So you'd have that deck, or you might have a different deck, which is suitable for something else. And I think they've got some examples of decks that you can use. Yeah. But they're kind of like themed decks of different, you know, subsections of the, 20, of the 66 cards. I think we're seeing that Magic the Gathering vibe coming through from Wizards of the Coast with this. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do some deck building? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. But yeah, so using using that to to to, to build a, an adventure, then they, they call this like the the adventure spread is the, is the term they use. Um, and what happens is you 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 lay out a whole bunch of cards in a row, and that's the adventure. So here we go. So the first card lays out where the party has been before the adventure starts, and then that's crossed with the card for the inciting event. And then the example they gave because they were doing it, this was during a, a presentation, and they actually did it in front of people. An example they gave was somebody stumbled into a bar with an arrow through their chest and a map, based on based on what they'd laid down. Then the next card represents the journey, followed by a card for a doorway. Then there are three cards for challenges, that you can have more or less. And then finally, a treasure card crossed by a final guardian card. And basically, that lays out an entire adventure completely randomly generated using those cards. Mm. It's an interesting way. I, there's a lot of tarot-inspired world-building kind of RPGs. Like, if you go on Itch, there's a whole load of different indie mm. RPGs that use tarot decks. So I guess this is kind of leaning into that side of role-playing as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it probably requires a bit of sort of GM kind of mm. fiat. You've got to kind of make things work with the different things. But I guess if each card, as I understand it, has given you a person an item a situation a, a, a location and the other things you use the appropriate thing for each step in that layer does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm trying to i can't phrase it right i'm i just I'm, i don't actually know this is how this is just what i'm reading into this so. yeah having to do some interpolation we haven't actually seen the actual product yet yeah we haven't seen the actual cards themselves yeah we're still yeah. alive yeah so <laughs> I, I don't know yeah all those deck building options they gave four examples um, so we've got the classic starter deck, we've got a roleplay-focused deck, we've got a light-hearted adventure deck, and we've got a horror deck. So they're four examples of the decks they built using the 66 cards. Sorry, I just get a bit annoyed when I hear, oh, there's a role-playing deck, because what that means is it's a deck where you can't have a fight, and that just feels like the Stormman fallacy written large and being applied to stuff. I really like role-playing. I enjoy it. But I also like... Using my character in D&D to have fights, because that's what it's really good for. 
Um, yeah. but, I don't know. It's just an option. I mean, yeah, yeah. To. But it's just like saying, oh, we can have a role-playing deck and then you will just role-play it with you, but mm. do anything other than that. Why yeah. are we reusing rules? It seems like a lot of drag. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving you space because I think you needed to say it, so I was just I was like, yeah. I'm going to give Peter their space and do their thing. It's, They'll come it, back it's, to it's, us. Mm, it's fine, it's fine. I, I just like being able to switch both things up to 11. Have, like, the really intense conversations and like really tactical and crunchy fights. That's what I want. That's what I want from a game. Just I let me have that. Yeah. No, sorry. You're saying yeah. 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 And we don't really know what most of these new cards are. They give a couple of examples, but um, there's like a, a, dra- a new one called the Dragon card, and it causes a dragon egg to appear in front of you. And the egg mm. immediately hatches into a dragon wormling who views that player as its parent. And then you have the cha- not only the challenges of adventuring, but the challenges of parenthood <laughs> going forward. I very much would like that in my campaign. You, you'd like a pet dragon woman? Yes. I always think, though, right, when these things, right, I've got a puppy and cleaning up the poo is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine as a dragon grows up. Well, maybe it'll sulfurous, be like... Sulfurous? You don't know the meaning <laughs> Maybe it'll be like, you know, people that ride horses don't pick up after them. Maybe it'll be big enough that it'll count for that. It's like, well, it's a mount, so I'm not picking up after it. Awkward when you're visiting a king in their castle. Well, yeah, you didn't take your horse, or your, sorry, your wormling into the castle. But people do muck out the stables and stuff, do they? They do clean it up. It's commoners, yeah, not mean, adventurers like me. It depends where you are, Russ. I mean, famously, Hercules had like a bit of a backlog to deal with with Georgian stables. <laughs> that is true. That Need is more true. than That's a mop true. and bucket he did. Yeah, crikey. Yeah. yeah. I often say I'd like an elephant as a pet, and then I think, yeah... A puppy-sized elephant would be fine. Well, that, that that used to be a thing that happened in Thailand back when it was called Siam. King of Siam would say, oh, you, you're doing pretty well for yourself, aren't you, Mr. Mr. Courtier, Mr. Lord? Here, I'll bestow upon you a great honour. Here is an elephant. It's a white elephant. Therefore, it is holy. Therefore, it cannot be put to any hardship or to any work whatsoever. So... You have to look after this thing now. <laughs> mm. And turns out, right, elephants eat a lot. <laughs> mm. So it was like, you know, you can't, you can't mistreat it. You can't do anything with it. You just mm. have to pamper this elephant. <laughs> Which, of course, where we get the phrase white elephant from, just for like a big, beautiful, but just no use to you in your house. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, uh, pets are a bad surprise gift in any situation, generally. Oh, absolutely. But anyway, back to the deck yeah. of many things. So you can get <laughs> pets. Yes. Nice. No, you can get pets. There's also, like, you know, I said that like there's different options when you draw a card. They gave this example that's like the Flames card. Mm-hmm. And that's generally is you, you draw the anger of a powerful archdevil. Yep. Gasp. But now it gives you three different options, three different powerful evil themes, one for each evil alignment. So mm-hmm. I guess a lawful evil one, neutral evil one, and um, 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 chaotic evil one, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a, a villain that you can use, and they they operate differently and offer different kinds of adventures. So depending on where you want to go with it, you can choose one of those three, and the whole campaign will go in a different direction based on that. Or the mm-hmm. throne card. The throne card was the keep one. There we oh, go. Yeah. yeah. So the throne card. Um, yeah. Traditionally, on that one, you gain the ownership of the keep. Basically, you take the book, you turn to the throne chapter, and um, there's the keep, and you know it's got all the ghosts that haunt it, and what you have to do to clear it out, and all that sort of stuff. Like a ready-made adventure that takes place nice. because you've drawn that card. Nice little side. It's kind of cool, I thought. Yeah. So it's the deck. There's also the a book 
as well mm. that has Good origins things, yeah. and characters and things in as well, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah, it's got tons of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Tons and tons of stuff. It's got player options. It's got magic items. It's got spells. It's got... It's, it's basically the big old kitchen sink of new new, new D&D material, I guess, in there. I don't know how many pages it is. doesn't say. I don't know. It doesn't say. No. It's got some adventure locations. Like, there's the CD market, which is ruled by a moonstone dragon, um, which works for even low-level characters. Player options. There's no subclasses, apparently. There's, there's feats. There's like the Cartomancer feat, which lets you use a card deck as your arcane focus. There's uh, 22 character origin options. Uh, two new backgrounds, the Ruined and the Rewarded. So um, people that have interacted about. with the deck of many things before. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Now, now we've got, so we've got a new origin for the deck itself as well. So they've got some lore and backstory for the actual deck, which wasn't there before. So basically, in the original set, one of the cards had a proper name, uh, Uriel. I think is how you pronounce that. Uriel. Uriel. Oh, yeah, the Medusary. E-U-R-Y-A-L-E, which is a Medusa. Mm -hmm. None of the others had a proper name. They were just like, you know, Dryland or something, yeah. Or, yeah, or flames or whatever. But that one had a proper name. It's like, oh, why, why does Uriel have, have their own card and nobody else does? And so basically what they decided is Uriel is who the card was created for by the goddess of fate, Istus. So Muriel is a, a Medusa, as we already know, and they also created another character who is Asteria, who's a princess turned paladin and the first ever autistically or canon- canonically or autistically D&D character. Oh, yeah, we talked about that in, um, yeah. Yeah, the other time. Yeah, so that's where that comes from. Ooh. Yeah, um, so they, you know, two, two new characters and backstory just kind of designed to just flesh out where the card comes from, what its place is in the world and stuff like that. Nice. Which I thought was kind of cool. They're both CR18, Hysteria and Uriel, apparently. Quite tough. They look pretty hench in the art, um, I'm saying. Yeah, and they live in the Outlands in Planescape. I think they live together in the Outlands in Planescape, and they've got a garden which contains stuff that can reverse the effects of some of the worst results of the deck. Are they roommates, or...? I don't know. <laughs> it's not a thing that I know. Okay. I guess they're whatever you want them to be. Great. Yeah. What else have we got? We've got 22 magic items. Oh, and they're all inspired by the cards. Inspired by the cards, yeah. So we've got the Warrior's Pass Key, inspired by the key card. Mm-hmm, that makes sense. Which not only unlocks things, but transforms into a bunch of weapons for a, for a warrior to use. Sort of a Swiss Army knife, but magic. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I guess. Swiss Army knife. And, <laughs> and there's other magical decks as well. It's not the only magical deck. The deck of many no, things. There's the deck of dimensions, and you can use that to travel to other worlds. And the deck of mundane objects. As you draw routine things that don't fit in your backpack, there's a deck of wonders, which doesn't have the chaos and destruction of the classic deck. AKA Baby's first deck of many things. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And then monsters ranging from CR14 all the way up to CR25. Wow. Which is That's quite That's the skull beast. cards, Grim Champion of Desolation. Sounds friendly. Hmm. Yeah, seems rude. Yeah, we've got Talon Beasts, which eat magic items. And the Ruined Spider, which is like a rust monster, only it erodes non-magical items. Um, isn't that what the rust monster already does? Yeah, I was thinking that. Does the, um, does the Ruined Spider I, I erode magical items? Oh, no. Well, I was assuming it means that it's not 
related to um, metal specifically. I think, right. but I don't know. I don't. Okay. Know. Yeah. That was what I took. It's like that. the opposite of Gale. Yeah, I mean, like, sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, you, you, get, you, get, you get staff, I mean, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, that's fine. I was just wondering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very pretty, all this. The artwork's gorgeous. It is. This is the first D&D product in a long while that, I've, that I'm seriously consider buying. Yeah, well, it's like a lovely box with, like, slots for the cards. Yeah. And, yeah, it does look really, it's like a very high production value item. Yeah, it's, it's. But that is why it's ninety nine dollars. And I, I think the card of the deck of many Res- things resonates Res- with so many people. So many D anD D players I know know about it or have like fun stories about it. Mm. So, do you think it's the fact that it's just like a physical thing you can have, like a deck of cards, that it's a prop yeah. that makes it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like a card deck is a really, really easy interactive prop to have in a game. Mm. Yeah. Can you get the um, card deck separately? Them. I don't know if you can. Actually, I'm sure you would be able to, but I don't know if you can. They're not advertising okay. it as such at the moment. It's very much no. sent as... Maybe it'll come I'm later sure or something. It seems like the sort of thing you would expect to be to get separately, but I don't know. But yeah. I think you can probably buy... There's loads of third-party people that have made their own version of decks of many things in the past, so I'm sure if you... I mean, traditionally, each one was assigned to a regular card deck mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So if you didn't have a special card deck, you could just use that. Yeah. But if it's 66 cards... Regular card deck's only got 52, so that wouldn't work anymore. You couldn't do that now. Unless you, yeah. you'd have to combine two, well, two regular card decks, I suppose, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess my problem has always been traditionally that it does things. Like it says, oh, okay, now there's an arch devil that's annoyed at some of your players. And you're like, I did not anticipate that in my game. And then you have to, I guess, I guess if you're playing in the Forgotten Realms, you open the book and, you know, it's all sorted out for you. But there are, I insist people out there who enjoy homebrewing their games. Yeah. Hmm. So for me, it'd be like, oh, my game doesn't involve devils. My game might not even involve the concept of devils. So yeah, uh, I'm not sure. But then you wouldn't put that card in the deck. Yeah, that's the point. The, the deck that's, that's curation. The you can't yeah. build your deck right. for, your, for your game. Yeah. Well, I suppose since it's an actual physical deck that hmm. I would have to share with people, then yeah, I could take it out. So yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, you create your deck to suit your campaign. I guess. Yeah, that's Ooh. very much what they're trying to. To suggest, and also it sounds like when they pick a card, there's three options that you, the DMC, so uh, you can kind yeah. of. Uh, and I bet you the sort of works. verbiage in that book say these are three suggestions, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, you're the DM. It's up to you to interpret this. What you want to happen happens. I, I bet here's three suggestions that we've made for you. Mm-hmm. You know, take inspiration for these, use them, or whatever. I think a lot of people have homebrewed the deck of many things and take that as inspiration to make their own because you could almost use any tarot deck and then. Yeah. create your own table of randomness as a result of it that does suit your campaign so there's nothing to stop you yeah. doing that and like you say or just using a regular deck of playing cards so if you don't want to you know pay it because this was quite a bit wasn't it didn't you say it was like how much hundred dollars nearly hundred dollars but this is has there are out there and have been for years lots of third party decks yeah, and many yeah. things that you can buy and wizards have sold them as well on tsr you know it's not an uncommon thing i reckon if you go online and google it you'll probably find that you can pick up a relatively cheap Deck of many things yeah. right now, quite cheap. Yeah, or you could just. I thought Wizards did like not that long ago. Yeah, I feel like they're. Yeah, a few years. yeah I think a few years ago because I think that was the one that my my group used back back when we were playing D anD D. Haven't played D anD D for years now. Well, there's one on Etsy there. I see one on one on Amazon. Oh yeah, they're all over the place. Yeah, you can pick up decks of many things. Yeah, so if you're wanting to homebrew and make it your own thing, I think there's loads of ways to do that. So if this doesn't fit what 
what you're looking to yeah. do. I think there's loads of other options. So yeah. maybe I'll just do that instead. Yeah, and there's online tools as well. There's a deck of many things generated. You don't even have to physically have the cards if you don't want. You can just press a button. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you're do- uh, game, yeah, especially if you're doing an online game. I think if you're playing yeah, in yeah, person, having a physical prop of it is is just nice. It's just a fun little mm. fun little thing. Yeah. Well, we did say last week we were going to talk about props a bit. So we sort of segue a little bit into props. Yeah, absolutely. So the deck of many things is one prop. It's like the iconic prop, I guess, yeah. for D&D specifically. What other, well, I've mentioned before, props and things I like that are like puzzle boxes or things like that that you have to break mm. or get into that contains information for you for the plot is always fun. I always mm. like those. Well, I always, yeah, I always find a physical prop is immersive. Mm-hmm. I really, I always like a physical prop. If, if it's a handout, a map handout even, as a basic physical prop at the basic end or at the far, very far end that uh, you, you um, showed us a, a video of that bear thing that bear with video you doing <laughs> that thing all right that prop bear which you open up and you can see its insides oh yeah i you did sh- send you, you that shared, i you forgot about that <laughs> it was the map I I started to doubt myself there. Then I said, like, "Did that happen?" Was <laughs> I didn't remember at me blankly, it. Like, yeah, so what are you yeah, about? so Dimension Twenty did one of their <laughs> campaigns, and they had this like uh, inside the bear's stomach. You, they opened it up, and it was all the it was a map in there that it was pretty grim. Actually, <laughs> it, yeah, it's like a horror, quite a grim themed thing. Uh, but yeah, so I think epic prop, and you could see the players when they opened it up just. I think sometimes you come out of the game as a character and as a player, you are just admiring the thing, even if that's like a mm. a really nice setup. Like I think PT, you mentioned you have you you got those setups where it's like a tower and you lift layers off or something, or have you used those or? Oh, I can't remember. I remember you talking. Maybe maybe. I I I I don't think that was me. I don't have such a thing. Oh, okay, but I have been known to drape a white cloth over stacks of books mm. to represent. Um, I have a lot of books, so I use that to represent fighting your way up an ice cliff. Nice. Mm. Nice. Because yeah, I don't know, it sounds fun. Yeah. And also, it means you're like, oh, I've got a two-handed weapon, I can take everything. What if you need one hand to hold on? What then, my <laughs> friend? <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I think... Phys- it's my yeah. third hand, obviously. Yeah, physical props oh, okay. like that are nice, because it does make a, your game, especially if you're playing in person, a bit of an event for your players. I think your players mm. come in and go, ooh, what's this? Like, And they see a setup. So I think it's yeah. it's a really nice, fun thing to do. But I do... I I think if people see this stuff online, I, my only hope is that it doesn't stress other GMs out, thinking, oh, I don't have that. Because I don't think it's it's necessary or it's it's you know needed. You don't need it to have a good game. But I think it well, is a fun thing, extra thing. That bear thing would have cost an awful lot of money for a, a one use, really. It's, uh, yeah, but that's know. Dimension Twenty. They're like a production yeah. company and they make they stuff. So, and I'm sure they'll they might they could probably sell that to someone to use and stuff. If I had a prop like that, I would reuse it in. Every oh, one so shot I ever did, every yeah. convention I went to, I'd turn up with this dead bear carcass. You'd be just known as the bear girl. That's fine. Like at the conventions, but we know that's incorrect because we rolled on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We know I'm Rat Girl actually. Rat girl. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so what other other props? Because like props I have used, mm-hmm. which I've I've had success with. I have used equipment cards, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy, and I've used coins. Which I've really enjoyed. Coins. Um, what I really like about those sorts of things is it takes inventory out of the paperwork. Oh, it becomes a physical moving a post. It becomes yeah, a yeah. physical object. So basically, if you've got a, a potion of healing, 
You've got, only got the potion of healing if you've physically got the card there. And if you give a potion of healing to someone, you hand them the card. So you don't have to record anything. That It just does it by itself. Right now they've got the card and you haven't, so that's who's got the potion of healing. Mm-hmm. And that's inventory just completely takes care of itself. You don't have to record anything. You know what you've got. It's right there. And the same with money. You buy stuff, you hand over coins, and you get a card in exchange for whatever you've bought. It yeah. all takes care of itself. How much money have you got? Oh, let's have a look. Oh, I've got that. You know. Right. I, I think I'm following this sounds a little bit like, now I've worked out what Jessica was referring to, uh, that which was the Descent tabletop role-playing game. Sorry, Descent board game, not a role-playing game. Well, it's, sort of, it's a semi-role-playing game. Oh, it's so complicated. You have a story. <laughs> so, like, uh, with the multi-level, the three-dimensional scenery. Oh, God. <laughs> Jump back in time. Oh, we're going yeah. back in time. But, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, be, because because like, that's, that's how that works in Descent for us. It works the way you described. So, yeah, that's why I mentioned it. Cause, and that sort of clicked me. to, And I was like, because I was just sitting here trying to work out why Jessica would think that. But I have actually talked about that before. It so, might yeah, have no, been a so. conversation we had, but it could just be something that someone else mentioned to me and I attributed it to you, Peter, in fairness. It doesn't... My mind I, I have, is not a reliable thing hey no worries mm. i have a generic face i accept that about myself that's not I why it's just way. because sometimes i think i i will remember something and if i guess never mind my i'm not <laughs> i'm not a smart woman is what it comes down to Aww. that's fine i'm happier that way hmm. hey, what, what other props have you guys used with success i did a cypher mm-hmm. that was quite cool it was basically me I, I, I was basically a problem of differentiation. I had like two brand new players, two middle experienced players, and someone who'd been playing like for over twenty years. Mm. I'm like, oh, f- best give him something to chew on, otherwise he'll kick up and get bored. So I wrote like a little bit of prophecy and foreshadowing. Then I sort of old, oldy Englishified it, which mm. to make it irregular spelling because that's a really mm. quick way to break ciphers. Just looking at it and saying, oh, okay, that must be that word there. These words appear several times. That must be the, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then I put a, I, I went looking, I think it was Elder Futark, which is like a Norse font. So I put it into that and gave it mm. to him to crack at the table. He wasn't interested, but yeah, <laughs> I would have quite liked it. And like the mm. plan was if he wasn't having any luck, I could like give him like little bits and pieces, like a letter here and so forth to represent his character succeeding. Yeah. with um, breaking down the cipher. And then mm. if he makes some good guesses, he can say, oh, okay, I've cracked it. Yeah. But yeah, wasn't interested, I was saying, so that's a shame. So, but you know, the other people were quite interested. It's just like they hung on to it and had it and never looked at it again. It's like, <laughs> okay. So uh, you asked for successful users. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Well, for me, most of my games have been run online opposed to in person. When I do play in person, there are little things I do, like I... It's not really props, but if we're playing a horror game, I will we'll play by candlelight just to create the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that counts as a prop. And I think it does. Yeah, I think well, it does. Cool. It's, it's, Let's include that then. Also, yeah, yeah. whenever I play games like Fate, that very similar to what you're saying about inventory management, Russ, whenever we play Fate and using the Fate tokens, I use physical tokens for that. So it encourages mm. people to tag each other because they're physically passing stuff around. So it feels yeah. a bit more fun yeah. in that way. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm a big proponent of the shiny glass bead school of inspiration. Exactly. Mm. And exactly. Benny's. It's like, would you it's, like a shiny thing? It's because you remember you have it. <laughs> Mm. With playing online, I because I really like the idea of using props in my games, um, but most of my games I've run a bit online because of logistics and where my friends are. Um, 
And so I've tried to incorporate that and online lets you do, I know it's not props, I don't know if it counts, but I do a lot of video and audio things that are prepared in advance. Um, So for example, I had like, they heard this radio message coming through of a person asking for help. So there was a little audio clip of that exact thing that came through and edited that. And also I had, um, (laughs) I made previously on episodes when I do that for my online games, I make a video of what happened in the key scenes and get some general stock, it's generally stock video clips or things like that that does a summary. So it's like, it draws people in so we have get down sit have a little chat i'm like okay let's get into the game this is what happened last time and then you can create the sound and the audio to kind of bring people back into the world that we're in and do a reminder mm. of what happened last week um so i don't know if that really counts as a prop but i like doing things like that but one prop mm. thing i've got that i'm excited to do is starter box sets i know going on about starter box sets all the time but the one for blade runner looks really cool and because it's an investigation game there are so many handouts and they look very cool Mm. so i'm very excited to see um all my players pick up and go through them because i think it's going to feel like an investigation because you're going to pick up bits of paper and look through them and you know Mm. all that stuff so i think handouts and props like that i think are are, yeah really good ones to use yeah i always prefer a handout to just reading out bunch of text to somebody oh yeah i hate reading i i, I always feel like yeah i, I always feel like a, 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 a handout is just more more immersive and just yeah makes it just brings the player sort of into that rather than just an audience member you can make it part of the game as well because i had that in a game when i was a player so my gm handed my my me a note my character a note my character mm. read it didn't want other people to know and so ripped up and put it away and didn't talk about it to anyone okay. else. So that became a role play thing mm. uh, because yeah. they were oh, they were oh, that's, huh? oh, that's an evil trick that uh, I've used once yeah. more than once. Like I don't know where I heard it from. I heard it from someone else. Didn't come up with it. Mm. But basically, you hand someone a note. If you're if you're playing in a game that you want a little bit of paranoia and suspicion mm-hmm. going on and stuff like that, you hand someone a note that just says, "Look at this." Then fold it up and put it in your pocket and don't refer to it again. Yeah, I've had that done to me. In and you just games do, and you just well. do that, and yeah. you do that maybe a couple of times during the session, and everyone starts going, "Well, okay, something's going on that I don't know about, but but nothing's going yeah. on." Yeah, and that that works quite well. Only certain types of games. Yes, yeah, and yeah, it depends on your table as well. If your table enjoys it, yeah, as with everything, yeah. if your table enjoys it. Yeah, but yeah, so I think I think handouts and props are nice like that, especially if it's an investigation game, because then as you get clues over time. We would tend to keep my party would tend to keep them in a folder, uh, and then mm. we could go back and be like, right, what is going on? Then we could get everything out and sit there and have a session where we're mm. literally, you know, looking at it and doing things like that. So um, I don't think props have to be big, expensive things. Like it can be really fun to have, like you know, little houses and like all the miniatures and all that stuff. Like that can be mm. really fun. But I think a lot of my very memorable props and moments haven't been really expensive things. Like you say, Russ, it's just that little note that's passed around that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, paper props are kind of cheap and easy to do. Mm. You know, you just print something out and, and hand that out or something like that. That's that's always a good one. And a map. Always, always like giving players a map. I always like mm-hmm. that. Well, the thing I've always liked is a big map in the centre of the table. Yeah. Maybe like a, a regional map or something like that. Because even if you don't necessarily use the map particularly, occasionally you'll look at it and I think it helps the players feel like they're in that map. That's where they are. Mm-hmm. A sense of location. Yeah. So a big poster-sized map in the middle of the table kind of works. It depends what you can get your hands on. Yeah. Like the Worlds of LSR, for example, that mm. website you put up, I printed off like three, the three of the different size maps for Hengisbury mm. and Hol- Holdenshaw and like, mm. uh, well, Endora, I think maybe, and 
uh, yeah. the world more generally, uh, just to help people get an idea of scale and mm. uh, work out where they're from and where they're going to. Yeah. Like, yeah. maps are number one, like, the best way for me to, like, start or get into a game because they really spark yeah. creativity for yeah. me. I mean, they're role-playing 101, aren't they? They're so mm. core to role-playing, fundamental to role-playing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You, you, want, you want maps. They are, they are fun. And I love maps as well. I just like maps. They're just nice things to look at. Yeah, I mean, they can be a bit challenging. Like, if you're, like, hex crawling can be fun, but I think you have to have the right sort of setup and sort of agree it in advance. That's very antithetical to a modern narrative base. Mm. Like, I would be quite interested in a game with a big plot. I would also be quite interested in going on a hex crawl. Never been on one. Yeah, Never know. played in a mega dungeon. You know what? I don't think I've even played in a regular dungeon. Well, speaking of mega dungeons... Yeah. Well, I think in D&D, any, any interior is a dungeon, really, isn't it? The Wizard's Castle is a dungeon. The, you know, everything's a dungeon. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying that I haven't done anything in one of those. It's like maybe like four or five rooms, most. But I'm not playing in a dungeon. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I haven't, I haven't done that. Like, no, I mean, I, you, no, you as the player, physically. Oh, like in the, the space. The location where you're playing. Uh, I mean, like, there's an annual event, D&D in a castle, where they yeah, yeah, take over a Scottish castle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, the location is good. There's yeah. some woods in Southampton, which are being sorted out with electric lights and tables and, um, like, covers, so that you could go and roleplay there over an evening. That would mm. be quite fun is for it, next year, I think. What, what is this? I'm sorry, I didn't... I didn't know about this. Oh. Please, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I know it's a guy fun. who runs a LARP company, and they have their own land, about 10 acres or so, which is 10 UK-sized football pitches, which is quite a lot of space. Also, since we're talking about weird, strange environments, or to me, strange environments, uh, cruises. One of the things I was looking at all about four or five years ago that I didn't get to go on was, like, there's things like a Savage Worlds cruise, mm. where you go on a little cruise, you get to play Savage Worlds when you're not doing other stuff. Do you LARP it, or is it just... It's, it's tabletop role playing. Yeah, yeah, it's, oh, not, right, right, it's yeah. not all LARPing. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you get LARPs. LARPs are like the king of setting. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, without doubt. There's Pricey, though. Yeah. Ones that I I, know, I didn't get to go to the one which set on a uh, London Underground carriage, but there's been one, I think they managed to get a destroyer, so they were do, using that. I think there was a Nordic one which was using a submarine as a setting. I think that's what the one they were using the destroyer for. I think one on a cruise would be good. The, the entire ship, the whole entire cruise was a big LARP taking taking place on the on the ship. Um, so you combine having a cool cruise with a LARP. Yes, okay. If uh, you want that level of immersion, I did a weekend long one in a manor house with about thirty people, mm. and we were all mm. actors on a film set. That the, the manor house was like the the film set, and that was yeah. quite intense because we went in character Friday afternoon. And ended on yeah. Sunday, uh, yeah. so that's it's it's a style of role play if, if you want it. Yeah. It's, quite it's quite intense. hard to maintain it for that long, though. Isn't we it? had it's some so bedrooms could it's be tricky. out of character areas, so yeah. I signed up for an out of character bedroom. So when I went to my room, I could be me, yeah. and you know, yeah. But some yeah. they had the option of in character bedrooms as well. So you, the idea was Ooh. that no, you would that. be <laughs> constantly in character. Well, some people wanted to be in character consistently the yeah, whole time, fair, and other people but, didn't, and they. Yeah. Allow for both options. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, done, I've done 24 hour timings and I'm like, so, you know, I value my sleep too that much. Sounds, that sounds mentally taxing to me. Yes. Hard. That's fair. Yeah. It, yes. That's hard to yes. do. Um, uh, I mean, but yeah, 
unless you've rolled out of bed and been fighting in basically a long <laughs> fur tunic <laughs> and your boxer shorts, have oh, you God. have you truly? <laughs> this was a long time ago. This was a long time ago. Have have you truly lived though? <laughs> I feel I'm okay without that experience myself. I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay without that. Uh, too. It was good at the time. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I don't feel my, my my life is lacking for not having done that. Oh, that that was a phase. That was an indoor game, which an indoor combat lab was very new to me. Mm. And yeah, crawling through various spaces was intriguing. I think that was also the one where I was like getting sitting next to a couple of people, and we got magically enchanted, so we just. Passing a bottle of contra around, singing mushroom. I feel quite sorry for the ref, to be honest. Um, I'd listen to a singing mushroom. It it was it was a it's it was a, a silly game. Sounds like a time mm. in your life. It was a time in my life. Yeah. Yes. Mm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah, right, for, for, for props. Yeah, I think props and, yeah. and things you use in games can really enhance the experience. It's, yeah, good fun. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I yeah, agree. you don't have to spend a lot of money on it if you don't want to, but you can absolutely go wild yeah. as well. I, I mean, we, we may even touch upon things like steady hand games to represent uh, lock picking, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Rubik's Cubes for puzzles, there's lots of there. Dread, like, yeah, that. Um, absolutely brilliant idea by Epidire. That's so solid. Uh, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before about Dave broke out the old bit of clay tablet in which there was a, which I had to smash with an actual hammer. Oh, which yeah. Had a, hmm. He's a fan of that, yeah. Like, yeah. He, he does like that, yeah. It's, so it's very cathartic to smash a, a piece of pottery to find a clue. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can get like various different puzzles and stuff. It's just like, I'm a bit of an air about those because like for general use because like sometimes somebody's like playing a high end character and they loaf puzzles and then there's people like my wife who you give her something and she's like, Oh I broke it. And you're like, Oh that's supposed to take ages but you've taken about two seconds by mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's it's all it's all very interesting. Mm-hmm. Getting a bit escape roomy at that point really. Yeah. And they are also very if if LARPs are king of location Escape rooms are very much king of the prop game. Yeah, that's mm. a good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And they all sort of merge into each other, really. Yeah, you can get yeah. overlaps, and then that's why you can pick things that you like from different experiences and add it to your game in that way, yeah. So, yeah, if you, if you and your group really love escape rooms, then putting those sort of puzzly things in your role-playing games mm. is probably going to go mm. down really well. Yeah. And if you, we've got a group that are LARPers, making sure that you're paying attention to those environment things and uh, the setting mm. is probably going to go down really well with them because that's what they value. Yeah, lighting, the in-character, out-of-character divide. Yeah, it's like the stuff. It's like uh, I start pulling faces when Russ says, oh, you have a whole cruise of people doing LARP. And it's like, oh, the health and safety. Oh, the health and safety. I think oh. Russ wanted to be a player, not someone running this. Yeah, no. yeah, no, I, I, I know it's like just my assumption. I'd end up running it. <laughs> yeah, running, running laps is a whole thing. Nah, that doesn't sound like fun to me. No, it's a ride. It's it's hard, but it's rewarding. But I haven't done it for a while, so. Anyway, I think we we'll probably wind this up now. All right. Thank you very much, folks. I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful weekend. Bye. Bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org.
You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Probably wind this up now. All right. Thank you very much, folks. It's a bit of a walk memory lane for me. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okie dokie. Well, um, I guess. Bye. Yeah. What an excellent <laughs> professional way to end the podcast. Rarus is just like, oh, I'll see you, Matty. Bye. Uh, away. I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful weekend. Yeah, yes. Um, any ideas what might be coming up next week? No. Nope. Nope. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> Morris is an official tabletop RPG talk. It's always a journey. 